I hope you had a safe and enjoyable Thanksgiving, everyone, with DeMarco Farr, J.B. Long. On this holiday edition of Rams All Access, we are set for Week 12 in a home game against the New Orleans Saints, who have taken 0-2 and turned it into 8-2. So yet another test against a playoff candidate. Uh, DeMarco, hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Uh, what are some of the some of the Rams things that you're thankful for at this stage of the season? Aaron Donald. <laughs> Can we start there? That tops the list yet yeah. again this year in Having 2017. Having one of the best players yeah, that we've ever seen on your football team on defense, regardless of position. Yeah, that's something to be thankful for. Sean McVay. Uh, having a, a credible play caller, a guy that's really installed and built an offense to to be a dangerous weapon in the National Football League that any defense has to be afraid of, yeah, or worried about. Yeah, that's two things right there I'm, I'm very thankful. How about yourself? Well, first, a, a quick nugget for you. Did you know that was the first time in Sean McVay's play-calling career in the NFL he'd been held to single digits? No, that's the first time ever. It's a pretty solid track record, right? Wow, I mean, credit going to back him. to uh, yeah. the loss at Minnesota. And look, I, we know that if Cooper Cup hangs on to the football, it should yeah. be at least 14 and maybe even 17. I get all that. But on paper, first yeah. time in his career. No um, wonder he almost flattened his teeth out on the coach's show. Right. So, yeah, grinding his teeth. Maybe, <laughs> uh, maybe they've saved another offensive feast for uh, what could be a high-scoring affair at the Coliseum against Drew Brees and the Saints. Uh, I, I agree with uh, the, the things you said for sure. I've enjoyed um, and I'm thankful for getting the opportunity to cross career paths with Wade Phillips. Yeah. Uh, an NFL living legend, quite literally someone who every team, every opponent you encounter has a ton of respect for. We know that was his unit's uh, not their best effort against Case Keenum and the Minnesota Vikings, but what a challenge coming back this week to face a two-headed running attack plus Drew, B- Drew Brees, a first ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah, we, we talked about what sort of teams are going to give you problems down the road I mean you have to give Minnesota credit yeah I mean but this you have a Hall of Fame quarterback plus a running game to back it up and their defense right. has, has been playing lights out so this is going to take everybody in a Rams uniform uh, to stay in the game uh, let alone just win it it's going to take some luck as well but you're going to have to play much better than you did in Minnesota and even better than you have all season long to get get by New Orleans uh, one other player specifically that we want to give uh, thanks for Andrew Whitworth who's been an incredible free agent signing just a tremendous veteran yeah. presence and I loved his words following the loss in Minneapolis, a difficult one, uh, but one that A.W. says may be necessary for this Rams team long term. It's frustrating, but, you know, the reality is this, this uh, we need it. We, we need some adversity, and, and uh, you know, it's not to say that we didn't need to come back and win that game, but you know what, uh, some of the adverse situations in that game, I mean, on the road in a, in a really hard place to play against the you know, probably one of the best defenses in the league, um, to play the kind of game that we were in and for this team to be in the game where they were in, um, you know, I think it shows you that uh, we're legit and we're the real deal. And if we get this opportunity again in the playoffs and get a chance to get in, then uh, we'll be prepared for it. And, and that's the kind of games you're going to play. If you want to play after the regular season, if you want to play late in the year in big games, this is the atmosphere you're going to have to learn how to play and win in. You'd be hard-pressed to find another left tackle that can articulate that sort of game. Uh, absolutely. Um, by extension, I'm happy. I'm thankful for Cincinnati for screwing that up to allow for allowing right. Andrew Whitworth to come here. Absolutely. But he's, nice he's exa- fun, not finding enough contract dollars to yeah. make room for him to finish his career. Thank there. you. Yeah. And the fact that you're playing on grass a lot here. Yeah, that's that's also something to be thankful for. But yeah, just I agree with what he said and not to you know bring up the past. But I remember losing in Tennessee in 1999. And we got into the locker room and we said, we want to see those guys one more time. Well, there's only one way to do it. Mm. We're going to have to win out and hopefully they went out and we'll meet in the Super Bowl. And we did. And we got our revenge. But, yeah, those those things, uh, those losses, it reminds you of what the other side is like and what you don't want to go back to. 
Uh, so it, it may make you work harder in the weight room, in the film room, on the practice field. Just be, just have a little more attention to detail uh, and, and be more professional about what you're doing. Because look, you have great teams coming up on your schedule, and any break you give them is going to make it that much harder for you to win the football game. So this could be a lesson that could spur you on for the rest of the year. Let's hope so. You buying what he's selling in terms of we're legit and even in a loss, we came to a realization that if we play our best, we're good enough to win in one of, if not the most hostile environments in the National Football League? Even though the score seems lopsided, you still had your chances. And like we talked about, if you, if Cooper Cup doesn't fumble that football and, and you score there, that, that game, the entire game changes right there. It's going to change on your side and on their side. So there's going to be pressure built up on the Minnesota side, on Case Keenum, uh, probably some, some pressing situations that you can take advantage of. So And maybe a calming... Uh, influence on the Rams side that hey look we we it, it was tough it's a it's a raucous environment we got the lead and we shut them up now let's just go ahead and play this football game so uh, things happen I mean there's there were plays to be made that you didn't make that they did so you have to tip your cap to them but yeah playing your best game I don't think you have anybody to fear in the National Football League uh, Monday we had the coach McVeigh show in Thousand Oaks and we asked the head coach about having a veteran like Andrew Whitworth stand up after a loss and say words like that that resonate throughout the locker room. Well, I think certainly you always want to try to avoid those things, and, and you, don't, you don't want to have to learn the hard way. But, you know, we always talk about it, a loss is a learning opportunity, and we need to stay strong in, in, in spite of, you know, the disappointment. But uh, everything that, that we look at is, is, you know, we always talk about being process-driven, and there was a lot of things that we didn't get the result that we wanted, and, and you know, we feel like we can kind of focus on those process-driven things that we can work towards improving moving into this week, and, and hopefully we'll get them cleaned up, and then we'll see that practice preparation equal some game reality going into the you know Saints week. Well, and we've just reached that point in the season where it seems like week in and week out there's going to be these kind of challenges, whether it's the Vikings on the road or the Saints at home. The top three teams in the NFC combined 25-5, and five, and the Rams are playing all three in a span of four weeks, and they're, they're off games in right. that mix are at Arizona and at Seattle along the way to Marco. Oh, at Seattle was the off game, huh? I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm not in terms of the challenge <laughs> it presents, but that's that's when you step outside right. of what we consider the top tier right now in the NFC. Well, this is where you want to be, man. I mean, look, this is a good football team, talking about the Rams. that They just had a, a hiccup in Minnesota, and you have to give the Vikings credit. They're a good football team, best defense in the National Football League, so... Uh, no shock the play the way they played in their own stadium so uh, if you want to get to the promised land so to speak if you want to get to the postseason where you have a chance to compete for Lombardi you're going to have to go through guys like this at some point either now or in the playoffs so you know I I like it that they're in a row It, it just makes you elevate your game that much more and you have to sustain it for the next couple of weeks to get there and then you'll see what happens if you do qualify for the postseason. Uh, not to stick on the Andrew Whitworth comment for too long, but I like the fact that he's willing to stand up and say that because it, I think a loss like that, given what we talked about with strength of schedule past and the wins you racked up versus mm-hmm. strength of schedule ahead, might plant a little seed of doubt as to, okay, maybe the Rams just beat the teams they were supposed to beat. They picked on some inferior opponents. Right. And now that the schedule gets meaty, maybe they're not in the elite class. Whitworth says, no, no, no. We're legit. We can play on the road with a team of this caliber if we take care of our business. Absolutely. Yeah. I think the only one that gave it to you this year, um, like in terms of just beat you, Washington early. And Washington was rolling then. So I'll give them that. You had Seattle on the ropes, and you let that one go. Minnesota, you had your chances, and uh, they made more plays than you, and they won at their house. So no shock there. But you got to, like you said, suck it up and move on. you got New Orleans now. 
All right, looking ahead to New Orleans, we'll have four down territory and get the latest on the Saints, who are red hot. But we invite you to see more and sit closer with Vivid Seats, an official partner of the Los Angeles Rams. Visit vividseats.com backslash Rams today to reserve your official ticket, travel, and VIP tailgate package to the next game. Coming up next, the Rams are going to be without Robert Woods, their leading receiver this weekend at the Coliseum. That impact on Sean McVay and the Rams offense when we continue Rams All Access Week 12. Well, you know, clearly from a production standpoint, the last couple of weeks you're, you're losing a, a significant player, but I think what he represents week in and week out just by the way that he goes about his business as well, Gary, you know, he contributes. He's played like a complete receiver where underneath, intermediate, down the field. So that's a significant loss for us. But there are guys that we do have confidence to, to step up and fill that void. I think, like we mentioned, it'll be kind of a group approach where it just offers an opportunity with the depth we have uh, to get guys a little bit more involved, hopefully keep them fresher throughout the course of the game. But uh, certainly it, it is a big loss for us for what he brings uh, both just week in and week out and then obviously what we see on Sundays with the way that he's produced for our offense. That was head coach Sean McVay on the loss of Robert Woods with a shoulder. He's expected to miss a couple of weeks, including this Sunday at the Coliseum against the New Orleans Saints. Welcome back to Rams All Access on ESPN LA with DeMarco Farr, J.B. Long. Hope you had a great holiday. Looking forward to seeing you at the Coliseum on Sunday. Robert Woods leads this Rams roster in targets, catches, yards, you name it. Uh, DeMarco contextualized it if you can, what yeah. it means to this Offense coming off just a seven-point performance in a loss at Minneapolis. You can't replace him. Um, uh, you can fill in around him and just buy time until he gets back. I mean, he is so important uh, to, to all phases of your offense, uh, the passing game and the running game, and just his overall smarts and understanding of what is, what's in front of him and what the play call is and what you're trying to get accomplished. He is just that advanced with the offense. So you're going to have to fill in around him with some other bodies, some other guys, and try to get – more production or get similar production out of those guys, but you can't replace them. But I'm hoping that you'll get a chance to lean on Sammy Watkins. I'm hoping we'll get a chance to see more of him and let him take a lead role in the offense. I hope that's his mindset now that Robert is out, that, hey, look, it's up to me now. It can't be up to anybody else. Uh, Let's not lean on this guy. Let's lean on me. Uh, Let me be the number one option. Let me see 10, 12 targets, and let me see what I can do with it. Especially as a longtime teammate of Robert yeah. Woods going back to Buffalo. Rob played a part in him coming to Los Angeles and vouching yeah. for one another. Uh, yeah, you would hope that he would step up to fill that void. But uh, the Rams have long been carrying extra skill position players, right? I mean, depending on how you classify Tavon Austin, you can count the numbers mm-hmm. at running back or wide receiver, however you want. But compared to the standard NFL roster, they have insurance against this kind of situation. True. And, you know, I'm, I'm as anxious as anybody to see Tavon Austin get back in the game. I was surprised that he got so little run in Minnesota. Right. Um, it was weird seeing him standing next to me for the entire game and watching him go into the locker room and take his uniform off, and it was clean. It's, wow, that's a weapon that you didn't use. So I bet that changes now that Robert Woods is out. So there's some other guys that, you know, I'm anxious to see. Reynolds, I can't wait to see what he looks like, and he gets more run. Uh, Maybe you'll see some Mike Thomas out there as Mm -hmm. well, a guy that we know that can run and uh, be a good special teams player. But let me see you play a little bit more offense. And lean on the tight ends. I think you pointed it out. You did during the game. It was um, something I, I kind of felt but didn't know that they hadn't completed a pass to a tight end until late in the fourth quarter. Yeah, borderline garbage time. Yeah, that's a huge part of the offense that was missing versus Minnesota. So some other guys need to step up in Robert Woods' stead, and maybe it won't be coming out of the same you know, offensive re- receiver room. It might be for some other positions. 
they really like Mike Thomas going back to their first impression. Part of the reason they were willing to stand by him and wait for him through a four-game suspension to start this season. Part of the reason they were willing to carry an extra receiver to take him off of that suspension and add him to their 53. Uh, but the name that you mentioned previously, Tavon Austin, is the one that intrigues me most coming off of last week in which he played a career-low uh, two snaps on offense. And I know the snap counts were reduced across the board, but he was very noticeably absent, and it was something that we asked Sean McVay about this week. I think it'll be a combination of both. You know, I think it's just continuing to find ways to get him on the field. I think especially when you look at uh, just the depth that we have. You know, Lance has done a good job in the limited opportunities he's had these last couple weeks, but without Malcolm being involved, uh, bottom line is, you know, Tavon's too dynamic of a playmaker for our offense to not try to get him involved a little bit more than yesterday. And, you know, you could sit here and make excuses that we didn't have enough snaps and things like that, but uh, it's on me, and I've got to do a better job of of getting a feel for the flow of the game and and finding a way to get him involved, especially uh, when that was part of our plan and, and we kind of went away from that wow the vikings got a break with that uh, they really did they got a break not seeing him on the field the ghost motion had been such a staple of this offense and especially yeah. with speed on their perimeters and their rush you know, that was kind of the the antidote right is to, yeah. to slow down some of those pass rushers and speedy outside linebackers he affects both containment guys uh whoever if it's a defensive end or outside linebacker if he's on your side, you have to worry about that screen package or him to that side. If you're on the, over top of him uh, as a slot defender, you have to worry about screens. You have to worry about him going out for a pass. And then the guy on the opposite side also has to, has to worry. If he comes back, what do I have to do? How do I cut him off? Because it happens so fast on those jet sweeps. Uh, your read takes you downhill, and then you look up, and he's by you already. So mm-hmm. not having him out there, I mean, it, it allowed Minnesota to really – compact and compile that that line of scrimmage and really make things tough for for Todd Gurley so yeah they they Minnesota was done a favor not seeing Tavon Austin in that football game in terms of how he can help replace Robert Woods though I'm curious because as of this moment Tavon is the Rams second leading rusher he hasn't been targeted in the passing game since London and only twice since the loss to Seattle so in terms of how this coaching staff views him, utilizes him, it's definitely not as a wide receiver, but he does have that skill set in his past if they happen to see something that they can exploit on New Orleans. I bet that's part of the progression with him. Um, You're going to run, 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 and then they're going to sit on the run, and then all of a sudden he goes out for a pass, and boom, he hits you. Now, he's probably not going to make – you know, all his money or all his production isn't going to come through the air. It's going to come, you know, with rush attempts. Right. But at some point, you can catch a defense off guard with a guy running the route. He still can run routes. He has training as a receiver in the National Football League, so that's still a part of his game. And I would bet that at some point you're going to see that. And now it's going to be a necessity. You're going to have to make up for Robert Woods. So, you know, let's hope that, you know, through play calling and through bodies that are out there, you can make up that production. But it just won't be one guy. If I gave you three minutes alone in a room with Cooper Cup, what would you advise him looking back on kind of your professional football career and where he's at just embarking on his with some really great moments but also some very troubling ones that I know are weighing heavy on his mind? Uh, there's, a, I guess, a, a, a coaching philosophy that I subscribe to, and it took me a long time to get to it. I think it was my fifth year in the league that it was, I was introduced to it, and it made a whole lot of sense. One snap and clear, man. Uh, you play one snap, and you live in that world, and when it's over, you move on. And you forget about it. And, you know, I like what uh, Coach McVay had to say about, you know, don't let Minnesota beat you two weeks in a row. Well, the same thing about a bad play. Don't let that beat you for the rest of the game. One snap, move on. Good or bad, clear it, move on. Because that next snap is going to be a whole different universe, different world for you. So, uh, But I, I think I would bet he's a guy you don't have to tell that to. I think he knows already. 
Um, and after that, he, he bounced back and made some pretty good plays. So uh, I'm sure he's down on himself, but it's not going to be one that lasts that long with him. Yeah, I think as as a guy who has lived and breathed football for so long, he has it in his in his veins quite literally going back a couple of generations. I worry that he's he's too absorbed by all this. And, yeah. and not that he has the yips like Tin Cup style, but I do think – a pass against Seattle, and now a fumble in, in Minneapolis. I worry that he's too hard on himself. You know, I worry that he, he sees uh, too much of the results as a, as a product of what he did or didn't do, when that's, yeah. that's not necessarily the case. I mean, yeah. we all think the game would have looked different had he not fumbled inside the five. Um, but without Robert Woods especially, they need Cooper Cup to be at his finest. And the, the other side of one snap and clear and forget about it is, hey, man, we need those plays. You know, let's just be honest. I mean, we need those plays. We need you to catch the football. We need you to put it in. I mean, you, you have to uh, understand that you still have every confidence in him, but you have to coach him hard just like everybody else. We need those. We, if you get your hands on the football right. or if you have your hands on the football in that situation, the angle. one thing you do is can't lose it. I mean, for a franchise that has completely turned around in terms of accountability, this buzzword, mm-hmm. as much as he's been targeted, yeah. the, the drops cannot be quote-unquote tolerated, right? Because then you're not holding everyone to the same standard when there are other guys, Josh Reynolds, Mike Thomas, waiting for their turn. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, I, I think he understands that part too. But, I mean, y- you understand. You have to make sure that he knows what you're trying to get accomplished. Same with Todd Gurley when uh, when Earl Thomas knocked it out against Seattle, knocked yep. the ball out. And the the very next game or a couple of weeks uh, later in London, he throws his body in the end zone. Well, that's a guy that's been coached hard. He understands you're not going to come down hard on him. I don't want to coach that out of you, that competitiveness, but you have to understand certain situations. So same with Cooper Cup. We need you to be better in this situation, but I also need you to move on from it at the same time. Quick question on Gurley. Were the Rams in hindsight too quick to abandon the running game in Minneapolis against a very good rush defense for the Vikings? Um, I think what Coach McVay said was was right. Um, he needed to be a little trickier in the run game uh, to pop a few out, and uh, I think that goes back to personnel and who didn't play. I mean, Todd Gurley or any running back trying to slam it in there traditionally against that defense, you're not going to find much room. Mm. They just don't give you that much room. They are built to stop the run. But if you could have thrown some wrinkles at him, possibly Todd Gurley could have popped a few. And even with that, there were some on the perimeter where he had a chance maybe uh, if he could step out of a, a tackle, maybe one tackle, make a guy miss and get into the open field and away he goes. You could possibly have a chance to break some there. So, but I, I think you needed more than just Todd Gurley slamming the football, you know, taking handoffs from, from Jared Goff. To me, it's more about just uh, run pass balance that shows up in the box score. Mm-hmm. The screen game, which has been so effective Big. for the Rams, uh, both with Todd and with receivers, is essentially an extension of that running game, and the Vikings did a tremendous job of shutting that down as well. All right, let's turn our attention to defense next on Rams All-Access. We'll take a break here, but coming up, Drew Brees and a two-headed running back attack with Sean Payton leading the way. We'll present yet another challenge for this Wade Phillips defense. We'll talk about it on the other side here on ESPN LA. All right, we continue with this edition of Rams All-Access preview in Week 12 and a matchup against the New Orleans Saints. DeMarco Farr and J.B. Long Let's talk some defense here after the Rams gave up a season-high 451 yards to a familiar face, Case Keenum, who was excellent against the Blitz. He also had the benefit of a stout running attack. Uh, DeMarco, surprised how much the Rams struggled last week against stopping the run. 
uh, two well-known established backs, but they had not really hit any explosive plays in their running game since they lost their rookie, Dalvin Cook. A little bit. Uh, it was some problems that the Rams had early on in the season. I mean, the first half in Dallas, and then after that they've kind of reset and they played great ball, uh, great team football. But, yeah, back in, in Minnesota – uh, certain guys went into business for themselves, so to speak, and you had some gap issues. So why does that flare up again? Because that's, um, that seemed like a theme, a, a thing of the past. You, you, you get frustrated sometimes, and you want to make plays. And remember, this is a defense that's been taking the ball away, that's been living and dying by, 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 by turnovers and takeaways. Gotcha. So you're trying to force issues. You're trying to make plays. You're trying to do somebody else's job. It's, like I said, it's boring sometimes to stop the run with all 11. Do your job, do your job. If the ball comes to you, tackle it. Uh, if it doesn't, you're kind of not making plays. So some guys will just try to make too much happen, and, you know, they're smart too. I mean, those blockers, those offensive linemen, those running backs, those quarterbacks, they know what you're trying to do and what the scheme is, and if you're out of the gaps, if you make a mistake, they're going to exploit you, and that's exactly what happened. Did not get a takeaway, did not get a sack. First time this year that the Rams had not recorded multiple sacks in a game, and this is against a Vikings squad that was missing a right tackle. Uh, Case Keenum obviously did a masterful job of avoiding the situations uh, where he would be taken for a loss. Absolutely. I, I, Aaron Donald had him a few times, and, and Case kind of skirted away. And Robert Quinn had him dead to rights once or twice. Even uh, Connor Barwin yep. was there for the cleanup, and you just couldn't get him down. So – he played inspired football. Um, you won't see many quarterbacks with that sort of mobility. So uh, I, I wouldn't take anything away from the pass rush. I thought that was phenomenal. It's the run game that just kind of lets you down towards the end. What would you make of this if I added this additional wrinkle? Not only did they not sack Case Keenum, but they blitzed a season high 20 times against him. To sell out and to not get home, that's a double whammy. And credit to them. Credit to Thielen for making plays versus the Blitz, too. I mean, they had a plan for you when they did smell pressure, and when they saw it coming, they, they had a play designed to get it out. And when they didn't, Case Keenum made plays, bought time, and got the ball out. Some of those balloon balls, those floaters to, to Kyle Rudolph were mm. just absolute backbreakers. Stand on the field, I mean, when you get them to third down, you're expecting to get off. I don't care what the down and distance is on third down. If it's third and one to third and nine or third and a mile, you're expecting to get off the field. And when you don't, it breaks your back defensively and gives them all the confidence in the world. And when you think about it, 22 minutes time of possession, 22-36, I believe, for the Rams, and it was just lopsided. Well, you only have so many calls defensively before you start getting the repeats. And when you start having repeats, they're going to know, and they're mm. going to start picking you apart, and it looks like magic. It's not. They just know what you're doing. Hmm. Let's talk about some of the depletion in the back end. Uh, obviously, Kayvon Webster and Akel Roby Coleman unavailable for significant portions of Week 11. Uh, Troy Hill, we knew, inactive pregame because mm -hmm. of his hamstring. Um, then in response, Dom Hatfield has to play a season-high number of defensive snaps, uh, snaps. Blake Countess on there quite a bit as well. I'm not sure there's a roster in the entire National Football League who can play with CB5 against that receiving core and have any kind of success. But what does it mean for this week spinning forward against now seeing Drew Brees, who's at least, if not more competent, than Case Keenum? Well, at least if you know you know what, what the situation is from Monday to Sunday. So you can get guys ready, get them into the game plan. So there's some things when you start putting in, like you said, CB5, there are some things that the defensive coordinator – and his position coach would know, like, he, he might not know that. Or he's had trouble with that in practice. So let's stay away from X, Y, and Z coverage. We're going to have to do this and this and this. Well, they're going to pick up, a, pick up on that as well. So, But 
when you start on Monday and have an actual game plan where he can go out and rep it in practice, learn right. it in the meeting room, and then go out and rep it in practice over and over and over again to have a feel of what you're doing, you're going to be better. And the butt kicking you took on Sunday is only going to make you better. I would bet that's the last time you want to see somebody like that running by you mm. for touchdowns because it doesn't go away. Uh, this is the age of social media and, and Twitter and whatnot. Everyone's going to be talking about it. You can't get away from it. All you can do is go out the next time and shut the next guy down. Yeah, in that same vein, the one thing I worry about coming off a loss like we saw Sunday in Minneapolis, I'm, I'm confident how the players are going to respond. The coaching staff is as hardworking as I've ever seen. But I wonder if the Vikings didn't put something down on tape that other teams, other opponents are going to at least attempt to duplicate. Now, they may not have the personnel exactly like Minnesota. Mm-hmm. They may not have the home field advantage like Minnesota had. But it seems to me that if you see Sean McVay and Jared Goff and this offense on your schedule – you almost have to double down on your commitment to time of possession, taking care of the football, running the football with just a stubborn aggression. If it doesn't work early, quarter two, quarter three, quarter four if necessary. Because when we've seen the Rams' offense frustrated, stifled, it's when they haven't got reps. Yeah. I, you, you give Sean yeah. McVay enough play calls, enough downs. He's going to hurt He's going to figure it out. Yeah. But Washington especially, and now Minnesota, the two ones that stick out to me, they shorten the game. They kept True. it away from Jared Goff. Uh, you know, if you have a Kyle Rudolph type um, in man coverage, I'm taking that shot. Um, that's been on tape for a couple of weeks now. That versus your linebackers or safeties, tight ends uh, have made hay. If you, I, I would say this, and this is a fair statement. If you see 36 on the field, I bet he gets attacked. That's just the way it goes. If you see Dominic Hatfield over any receiver mm-hmm. in the National Football League, they're going to come after him now because it's on tape. So it's up to him to turn them back. But, yeah, those are some weak points or some points you think you can attack the Rams on. Uh, running the football, if you stay disciplined uh, and, and stay on schedule offensively, at some point you feel your run game is going to get going against them because it has. Uh, so these are some things that you're going to have to understand about yourself and not get frustrated with and just keep working to stop. Plus, if you're running the ball downhill, guess who you're avoiding? 99, jarring jarring your quarterback and getting another strip sack like you had in back-to-back weeks. That's the the safest way to keep Aaron Donald away from from wrecking your day and your season is keep running the ball at him. Let him tackle your running back instead of your quarterback. Let him cover grass. Let him come off blocks and tackle running backs. Absolutely. All right, let's dive into the Saints and preview the game ahead. We'll take a break here and continue on Rams All-Access with four-down territory. Coming up next. Access, this is Four Down Territory, our weekly trip inside opponent's territory, and we're thankful to have Mike Triplett with us. Today on Rams All Access, he covers the Saints for ESPN and ESPN.com. A belated happy Thanksgiving, Mike. Thank you for joining us as we uh, preview the game at the Coliseum. But first, want to ask what it was like to bear witness to that dramatic comeback and an overtime win against Washington in Week 11. Well, it was crazy. It was actually the first time in, in – 51 years of Saints history that uh, they had ever come back from at least 14 points down in the fourth quarter at any point, much less down 15 with less than three minutes remaining. So uh, pretty incredible. I mean, obviously when Drew Brees is at quarterback, you think two touchdowns in three minutes is possible. But, uh, you know, it's one of those wins that, that gets everyone thinking maybe something special is happening this season. They're also the first team to start 0-2 and, and go to 8-2 uh, since 1947. So a, a lot of history being made with this team right now. You know, it, it's funny. Is there a danger to a win like that for a football team where you really start believing you can do anything? I mean, you have to remember <laughs> how you got into that situation to begin with. 
Yeah, I mean, they obviously say the opposite. They say the danger is more in going to Buffalo the week before and winning 47 to 10 um, and, and not really getting tested. This this is where you find out about yourself. I mean, being down 31 to uh, 16 with three minutes to go, you know, it's like you've lost and, uh, and, and you see what you're made of if you can come back in a game like that. But, yeah, you know, uh, it was funny. I was even thinking about it when I was listening to somebody talk. I was like, kind of, you know, like if I'm on a golf course and I make one that I don't deserve, I don't feel bad as bad about the next one that I missed. <laughs> I like that a lot. Uh, we're talking to Mike Triplett, who covers the Saints for ESPN and ESPN.com here on Four Down Territory, our weekly trip inside opponent's territory. Mike, do I have it right, kind of watching from afar, that Drew Brees has not had to put his Superman cape on quite as often this year, that he's actually leaning on the running game and his defense, which is nice. Absolutely. Um, no question. And, uh, yeah, the way I wrote it is, you know, he was he was making a decent case for best supporting actor this season because, uh, hmm. you know, before this last Sunday's game, he was on pace for the lowest yardage total in his 12 years with the Saints. He's still on pace for his lowest touchdown total. Um, not really hitting on the deep ball and the dramatic plays that much, but he's got the third best passer rating in the league. He's on pace uh, for the best completion percentage of his career. Might set the NFL record for completion percentage, so just – a really nice, efficient uh, Hall of Fame quarterback who gets to lean on, on one of the top defenses and one of the top run games in the league, and that's obviously a fantastic formula. Now, that's a small sample size, I think, as we saw against Washington and as we may see against this Rams offense when needed, um, when they're not just nursing a lead throughout the entire second half. Drew Brees is capable of doing more, and they'll probably need him to do more as this season goes on. What a luxury. Drew Brees is a game manager. Wow. Go figure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, a question about Mark Ingram. Um, how much did having Adrian Peterson just there on the roster with him for the short time he was there, did that motivate a Mark Ingram to play the way he's playing right now? Uh, I'm sure it did a little bit, but, boy, this has been his entire NFL career. His first couple seasons in New Orleans, he's kind of buried on the depth chart. And he's been with three running backs almost the entire time. He used to be – Pierre Thomas and Darren Sproles, and then Chris Ivory was around for a while. And, um, you know, it's it's been a little frustrating for him. You know, he said in the past he thinks he could be a Le'Veon Bell or a David Johnson if a team used him that way, but that's just not what the Saints do. They've never really been a run-first team, and they've always had two or three running backs sharing the load. But his attitude has always been really impressive, and, and whenever it has come time for him to be that every down back, he's done it. Um, and last year was his first 1,000-yard season. Then they bring in Peterson, and he's like, I've seen it all before. I'm used to this. I'm just going to keep doing what I do. So I, I guarantee you that that as much as they all got along in that running back room and he wished Adrian Peterson well when he left, there was a ton of satisfaction for Mark Ingram to be like, you know, I didn't give up my job for anybody, not even Adrian Peterson. But that being said, it sounds like from what I've read of, of your work, he thinks Alvin Kamara should be Rookie of the Year. Yeah, well... <laughs> Maybe, maybe a two-man timeshare is the best thing ever, but they are figuring out a way. Um, the, the NFL put out a stat this week that they're, they're the, the, I can't remember the exact time period. It might have been the last month that Kamara and Ingram have the two most yards from scrimmage of any two players in the NFL, and they're on the same team, which is so hard to believe. Uh, but that's how well things are going for these two guys. And the beauty of it is they're both so versatile. They are both run and catch, and, and there's no tells of – you know, what the Saints are doing when either guy's in the game because they're both probably going to catch 60-plus passes this year. They both get red zone 
short yardage rushing opportunities and everything in between. They're both really versatile guys. Cam Jordan uh, just has been a monster. Um, has anything about his game changed? It seems like he's playing a little bit better. He's been to the Pro Bowl twice, but it seems like he's playing better football so far. Yeah, and actually I thought last year might have been he did not go to the Pro Bowl. He was snubbed last year, I thought, and, and was probably his first or second best season before this year too. So he's had three or four years like this in his career, but you get recognized a lot more uh, when the team around you and the defense around you is playing so well. And, and so this is the kind of player he's been for a long time, and I think he's getting sort of his just recognition. There's not a lot of good comparisons for him, Um Maybe a little J.J. Watt um, or even some defensive tackles like, you know, Kalei Campbell. Maybe a little Aaron Donald. He's a bigger guy. But because he doesn't just – he's not just an edge rusher that, that gets a lot of speed around the corner sacks. He can do that, and he can be a double-digit sack guy, but he's also got a ton of power. He bats down a ton of passes. He's a really good run defender, really versatile guy who, who, who can beat you with speed and power and, and definitely one of the best defensive ends in the league. Uh, Mike Triplett covers the Saints forwards and backwards for ESPN and ESPN.com. Tell us about the impact that the rookie corner, Marshawn Lattimore, has made on this defense. Yeah, we'll see how healthy he is for this matchup. Uh, um, you know, we had to do midseason MVPs, and I gave it to Cameron Jordan. But but if you really want to put stress on the word valuable, uh, that 21-year-old starting corner, uh, Marshawn Lattimore, might be the most valuable addition that they had on this team because – He's been playing lights out. Uh, like Pro Football Focus has had him rated as the best corner in the league for most of this year, which is remarkable for a, for a rookie. And what a difference it makes for your entire defense when when your cornerbacks are playing that well. It's your pass rush time to get there, or you know you have a lot more freedom uh, uh, to blitz uh, when you're comfortable with the way your corner is playing. So I think I think he's probably the most important new addition that they've made on this team and. Uh, definite front runner for defensive rookie of the year. No doubt. Uh, you know, uh, just thinking about the future with Sean Payton and Drew Brees going beyond this season. I mean, how long do you think this, this combo lasts in new Orleans? Well, it's interesting because of the winning, um, you know, Drew Brees has talked about wanting to play till he's 45. And I think he's serious about it. Um, whatever, whatever Mark Tom Brady sets, Brees will want to pass. I'm sure uh, since he's two years younger than Brady, but, you know, I mean, the Saints, when they went 7-9 and nine three years in a row, they started to think, you know, we can't, you know, we can't let this cycle just continue over and over again. Maybe maybe we do have to consider rebuilding. And they almost drafted Pat Mahomes in the first round this year at quarterback. If Lattimore wouldn't have been there, they could have ended up drafting a quarterback this year. But if the defense and the run game are showing this much promise, Drew Brees can be, like you said, what a luxury to have Drew Brees as a game manager. He can be that in his 40s. If you've got a solid run game and a solid defense, Drew Brees can be the perfect quarterback for you for a long time. So I certainly see no rush to push him aside. They will continue to keep an eye on finding a future replacement for him. But I would not be surprised if if they land on this model that they've got going right now that this isn't still three or four more years of this at least. Uh, finally, Mike, when we saw you last Thanksgiving, uh, clearly there was an axe to grind against uh, former Saint Greg Williams, and uh, I don't imagine last year's game has much bearing on this year's, uh, except to ask, the Saints don't have anything against Wade Phillips, do they? <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, they love him around here. He's a former Saints uh, interim coach. Uh, 
he did have a line. What, what, I'm, I'm forgetting now. There was like a he had to apologize for he wasn't throwing shade on. Uh, um, oh, who was he with last year? And they beat the Saints bad. And he said, I think he said something about who dad say they're going to beat them Saints. And I can't remember what it was, but. Uh, so there's a little internet trash talking with his uh, lovable, jovial personality, but he is well-respected and well-liked around here. Right well, that's sure. certainly a relief. Thank you for carving out some time on your uh, holiday week. We look forward to seeing you at the Coliseum on Sunday. That's Mike Triplett from ESPN and ESPN.com. Thanks, Mike. All right. Thank you. Uh, very good. That was Four Down Territory here on Rams All Access. We'll come back and have one final segment. We'll go inside the numbers and put our final thoughts on the Week 12 matchup. Hope you've had a great holiday week, and thank you for being with us on ESPN LA 710. All right, final segment of this Week 12 edition of Rams All Access with a Super Bowl champion, DeMarco Farr, J.B. Long. Looking forward to seeing you at the Coliseum this weekend for the Red Hot Saints, winners of eight in a row, and the Los Angeles Rams as this playoff push continues. Uh, Not a great showing in Minneapolis offensively, DeMarco and Jared Goff, Although he didn't turn the football over, was one of seven on passes traveling 15 yards downfield or more. That's the worst completion percentage on deep balls of his career. This was a quarterback who came in leading the National Football League in yards per attempt. Can you contextualize that a little bit for us? What went wrong in Minneapolis? Well, I just remember he, he was throwing the ball under pressure. Uh, more often than not. So uh, some of those deep balls, I mean, it takes time to get those receivers downfield. And look, mm-hmm. you're, you're at someone else's house. You're in a raucous environment, and they've got good pass rushers. So your, your time is limited, and you're going to have to release it sometimes before you're ready to, to get that ball downfield. So uh, give them credit. But, yeah, you're going to need those, those field-flipping p- plays to, to, to move the ball down the field, especially against good defenses. I mean, do you really want to slug it out with these defenses and try to – move it down the field 10, 12 plays at a time, or sometimes make a big play, put them on their heels in the red zone, and then score from there. I'd rather do it the, 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 the flip field position way, especially against a, a good pass rushing squad that can do it on the road and at home, mm-hmm. like New Orleans. I mean, it doesn't matter where they play. They get pressure. They can cover and, and get pressure on just about any, anybody from anywhere. When Sean McVay was introduced to our staff in the spring, one of the first u- words he used to describe what kind of uh, team he wanted to build was the word explosive. Mm-hmm. And I think offensively in particular, they definitely have that. Now they're going to be down Robert Woods, which has been a, a very explosive offensive weapon for them. But they still have Sammy Watkins, who has developed a reputation for that early in his career. Uh, the great news is he's healthy. The great news is he came off the bye and seemed to be making strides in terms of executing but now it's really on his shoulders in terms of creating these types of downfield plays that we're talking about. And remember, it's it's about him. It's about this football team, definitely. But this is a business, and Sammy Watkins, I'm sure, wants a raise at some point. Ah, so yeah. a contract year. I'm comes just into saying. Play. Uh, and, and this now is his time. This is a moment for him to step up. Um, look. Uh, it, all the attention has gone towards Robert Woods and away from Sammy Watkins. Remember, it was the exact opposite when they acquired Sammy Watkins. Oh, this is going to be the guy. This is going to be the guy. Well, uh, things didn't work out that way. Well, look, this is a, a chance for you to, to send it back in your direction. Uh, one, it helps your football team uh, win. Number two, it ups your Q rating with everybody else. So either here or the other 31 teams that might be interested in your services, you're going to have to start making some big plays. And what a, what a week to start. Mm-hmm. Than with New Orleans. I like the way that they went to Sammy early in week 11. Some of the shorter passes, taking what the defense has given you just to get him a touch that we hadn't seen in recent weeks. He kind of been the big hitter or bust. Uh, and that was, I know, wearing on the fan base a little bit. Um, but at the same time, the, the thing that troubled me more about offensively 
against the Vikings was how few skill players touched it. Uh, the strength of Sean McVay and Jared Goff seems to be spreading the ball around, making you cover every blade of grass vertically and horizontally, and they got away from that. It was a very limited number of skilled players, Gurley, Cup, Woods, who were making plays or getting a chance to make plays against Minnesota. I think they need to go back to being more of the who, who to guard where sort right. of offense against the Saints. Spread it around in a variety of ways, either vertical or flat routes or, or routes out of the backfield for Todd Gurley screens and whatnot, but uh, that just didn't happen. And like we said earlier, I mean, how much can you do, you know, with 22 minutes? Three and out is tough. Yeah, I mean, it's hard, it, it, yeah. We'll never know what was just one level deeper on that play sheet, the yeah. play call sheet in Minneapolis, what was waiting for the Vikings if they just get that first down to, to then, stay on to the then field. walk in a defensive personnel group, right. and off they go. And they're a little fatigued out there, and they, they may start you know, having some tells with their defense that just wasn't there. But something you pointed out earlier in the week uh, about if you're taking shots early on first down and you don't hit them, right. well, now you're in trouble. And like I told you, when I see second and ten, I salivate. That means I'm coming after you. It's a double-edged sword, isn't it? Yeah, because I know your your whole game plan now from this point is just to pick up that first down, and I'm not going to let you. And more often than not, you're probably throwing. That's a great chess match that we're talking about, though. I mean, your best shot to hit it might be on first down. So do you take it? We talked about being a big play offense. We talked about not needing to go nine plays in 75 yards like they did against Minnesota yeah. on that opening drive, but rather to hit the big one, sometimes from your side of midfield. Well, if you see that chance and you take it on first down, guess what? You're looking at second 10, known passing situations. You become a lot more predictable. Well, that's what Minnesota did to beat you. I mean, there were some opportunities they had to make plays, and they made them. Mm. Uh, Thielen made some big plays. Kyle Rudolph was just an absolute thorn in your side, a rock in your shoe, uh, a guy you just couldn't get rid of that just kept the drive alive, and eventually they found ways to exploit you. So you're going to need those. There were some plays where you know the ball hit you know Tyler Higby in the hands a few times, couldn't come down with it. Uh, Cooper Cup had to drop, and then the fumble and whatnot. So there are some plays out there that should have been made that would have kept you on the field that possibly opens things up for you where you get those explosives. Well, it's the same guys that aren't making the plays that are probably going to make those explosive mm-hmm. plays. So everybody is going to have to pitch in uh, to, to get back get this offense back on track. Uh, just a few closing thoughts here on Rams All Access Week 12, Saints and Rams at the Coliseum this Sunday. Hope you'll join us. Uh, I know it's been a sour week. Hopefully it didn't spoil anyone's uh, holiday feast, uh, but it's difficult to be sitting now on a loss after putting together four straight wins with a bye mixed in. It's been a long time since the Rams have tasted this as a franchise, but uh, I kind of want to reassure everyone, including myself, ourselves, in the fact that I know the Rams' schedule is getting really difficult, but as I look across the NFC in particular – so is everyone else's. Yeah, right. Right? And so yeah. the, the Rams are not the only team taking an L this week or next week or in this month ahead. I think it's can you do enough against really difficult competition like Minnesota, like New Orleans, like going on the road to Seattle that's upcoming, like Philadelphia coming to our place down the road. Uh, can you do enough in those big moments to give yourself a chance to play for a few more in the new year? Absolutely. It's, it's the, you're only at the first turn of the bell lap. You know, when when everyone starts to sprint and gets yeah. that, that, that stride when they're, you know, breaking towards the, the finish line. But you're at the first turn. You, you, you're behind the pack right now because you had no. But there's plenty of chances to make up uh, along the way. You still have some opportunities there. And, look, everyone else is playing the same schedule or a tough schedule. And they're going to have some, some hard times. New Orleans should have lost that game. Of course. Yeah, this should be, like you said, a red-hot New Orleans team. This should be a cooled-off New Orleans team. This should be a different deal. But they got the win. You didn't. So that's just the way it goes. So best team on game day, 
Tip your cap to Minnesota. Let's see what happens this week. We Sunday. know the Rams break the season down into quarters, right? Yeah. Three and one worked pretty well in the first quarter. Three and one worked pretty well in the second quarter. I would sign up for three and one in the third quarter and the fourth quarter as well, right? And that's going to that's going to put you where you want to go if yeah. that's kind of your pattern. Now, three and one may not get it done in the postseason, but we'll take care of that when it comes to that. Doesn't that make you twelve and four? Yeah, air math, yeah. That's that's a pretty good record. <laughs> I'll take that. Every single year, I'll take twelve and four. Uh, first up, though, let's uh, let's go see if the Rams can take care of securing at least a five hundred season, something they haven't done in far too long. We'll see that let's on Sunday at the Coliseum, a chance against the Saints. Thank you to Marco. Uh, thanks for sharing your holiday with me. Appreciate turkey you. sandwiches. There you go. <laughs> Hope there's still plenty left on everyone's plate, and we'll talk to you uh, starting with a three-hour pregame show uh, at the Coliseum against the Saints. Have a great weekend, everyone.